always affect us and how that it should always grip us and ultimately how it should never, ever bore us. And it's vital we understand this truth and we also learn to live it out because also it can not only do a work in us and affect us and transform us, but actually when we fully understand the fact that we're new creations, it can also affect others, it can affect our friends, our community and ultimately the lost world which we're called to go and reach. It's funny, when you sometimes when you, when you stand up and preach, you really get a real sense that God's spoken to you and you've got something to say. But then there are other times you stand up and you just got to say something. Um, but I do get a real sense this morning that um, whilst it's a simple message that I'm just going to bring to you this morning, that God does really want to speak to us. Um, why? Because he's our father, uh, because he delights in us, because we're his children, because he loves to speak to us. Um, so I just want to encourage you this morning to... As you was in worship, just open yourself up to him to engage with his Holy Spirit because he's here, he's present with us. Um, and if you do that, he will speak to you this morning. So can I just encourage you to do that um, from the off? Okay, so apologies, I didn't have to do a PowerPoint, but we are going to be reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11 through to 21. So if you have a Bible, if you can sort of turn to that. That's 2 Corinthians 5, uh, chapter 11. Verse 11, therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others, but what we, are no, what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us, so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward, about outward appearance, and not about what is in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who is for their sake died and was raised. Verse 16, from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself and not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we thank you so much just for your presence amongst us this morning. Uh, we thank you that uh, this morning that uh, we can come to you as a father, uh, one who uh, delights in us, one who um, will never turn us away. Uh, so, Father, I pray just as we uh, look at your word this morning, I pray that I wouldn't add anything or take it away, oh God, that, Holy Spirit, you would be our teacher this morning, that you would just arrest hearts. Oh God, we know that your word is sharper than a double-edged sword and is... Uh, capable of piercing the hardest of hearts. 
So, Father, I pray that you would do that this morning. I pray you'd soften our hearts, help us uh, be attentive, help us to engage with your presence and your Holy Spirit this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, cool. Okay, so up until this point, um, Paul has been really addressing the Corinthian church. Um, Titus, Titus has brought him news that the Corinthians have really sort of called into question Paul's apostolic authority. Um, and what's been going on up to this point, Paul's just been responding um, and really responding to the church and really dealing with some of the criticism and some of the complaints um, which have started to mar and damage the relationship uh, between Paul and the church. And we get to this central point in the letter where Paul is really appealing to the Corinthians to be reconciled to God. Um, to, be, to be reconciled to God and to, to open their hearts up and their minds uh, not only to God, but also to him as their apostle. And whilst it's verse 17, I, really, I do want us to focus on this morning. We must just remind ourselves of how we got to this place and position of being in Christ um, and also how we got to the place of being a new creation. Verse 18 uh, says this, All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself, And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. So the moment that you gave your life to Christ, the moment that you became a Christian, if you're a Christian here this morning, the moment that took place, for some of us, uh, that is years ago, we can't even remember when that was. For some of us, it's a bit more recent. And maybe for some of us, that's not happened yet. But before you decided to follow Jesus, God himself was pursuing you. God was pursuing you. He was chasing you. He was calling you. And ultimately, he was reconciling you back to himself through his son, Jesus Christ. It was his plan. It was his idea. It was his initiative. It was in his heart before the foundation of the world, the Bible tells us, that he would have us, that he would love us, and that he would have a people uh, for himself which would love him and worship him above all other things. And the wonderful thing is it's a plan that cannot be stopped. It's a plan that will not be stopped. It's a plan, his plan of redemption um, was set out before the foundation of the world and it will continue and it will carry through right to the very end. We're going to be assured of that this morning. Because it was Jesus, as we know, who died on the cross for us And if we put our trust in him, we can now be reconciled back to God. So if you're a Christian here this morning, which I know and I hope most of you are, you know that's you. You know that you've been reconciled to God. And maybe if you're not a Christian here this morning, lovingly I would say to you that you need to be reconciled to God because he wants you to be reconciled to himself. So it was all from him. So it says, it says that we've now been reconciled to God. And not only have we been reconciled to God, verse 17, which I really want to focus on this morning, says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So Paul is telling us here that if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. If you're in Christ this morning, you're a new creation. If anyone is a follower of Jesus, they're in Christ, which means that the fact that we're in Christ means that we have his righteousness. The way that the Father looks upon the Son is the same way he looks upon us. So what's now true of Christ is now true of you this morning. 
The old has gone and the new has come. And, you know, this is beautiful news and this is really wonderful news and we mustn't uh, miss the significance of what it means to be a new creation because I think we so often can miss what it really means to be a new creation. We can be in danger of thinking that, okay, so I'm, now I'm a Christian. Um, the only difference between me, the Christian, and the person who's not a Christian is that, that I love Jesus. Now, hear me on that. Obviously, that is a huge difference. But oh, it's so much more than that. It's so much more than that. I don't know if anyone's ever seen the program 10 Years Younger. No? I know my parents I know they watch it religiously. Um, okay, so 10 Years Younger, basically, I mean, it is what it says it is. It's a, um, it's a program where there's, I guess they set them a challenge to uh, take a, contest, a contestant um, and to make them 10 years younger. They take them out, they go onto the streets, um, they maybe ask, I guess they sort of take a poll, they ask, say, maybe 100 people to guess this person's age, male and female. And to be fair, the person who comes on is a bit battered, they're a bit beaten down, their hair's a bit all over the place, they've not had the best of luck, I say, um, in the world, and they just look a bit tired, and they probably look like they need a bit of a makeover. So they get a poll, and say this person's maybe 40 years old, okay, um, and they'll, they'll just ask 100 people, and they're trying to guess the average age, and often the average age will come back something like, I don't know, so say if they're 40, come back 48, 49, or 50, something around that number. So what they then do, they then go away, they take this person away, and they basically transform them. They give them new hair, a bit jealous. They give them new hair, um, new makeup, Botox, sort their teeth out, send them down the gym, sort their nutrition out, take them shopping. It's a complete transformation. They come back, they take another poll, and lo and behold, instead of being 40 and looking 50, they now look 30, 31. But ultimately, what's just happened is they've just modified themselves. They look a bit better. They've, and they do. They do look better. Genuinely, they do look better. <laughs> I'm trying to make it sound that it, like it does work. But ultimately, all that's happened, they've, they've just improved the old self. There's nothing new. It's just a better version of the old person. Being a new creation doesn't mean an improved or modified version of yourself. It's a completely new you. It's a completely new you. It's not a better version. It's not that God's sort of taken you, just changed your hair, done a few things, done a few things on your character, and sort of changed your old self. He's completely transformed you completely transform you. You're a completely different person. The scriptures tell us that the old has gone, is passed away, and the new has now come. You're a new creation. The Bible tells us that we need to be born again. And it's not talking about a physical birth. It's talking about a spiritual birth. It's a spiritual birth. We need to be born again. And the result of that spiritual birth is we're now a new creation. Nothing of our old identity, who we once were, is the same. It's completely new. Do you hear me? It's completely new. Our old self has been nailed to the cross with Christ. We may look the same. We all look the same. We may speak the same. 
We may even act the same to a degree. But something's happened deep within us. Right at the very core, something's changed. In Ezekiel, it tells us that, um, uh, that we've had a heart of stone taken out and a heart of flesh put in. So we've had a heart transplant. And this heart of stone has not only been taken out, it's been obliterated to a million pieces. And we've got a new heart of flesh which has been put within us and sealed with the Holy Spirit. Our whole being has been transformed because of the cross. And just like Paul did, we can now rejoice in it. So you can rejoice in it, guys, because this is exciting stuff, is it not? Really? You don't look excited, man, because this is exciting stuff. Now, the thing is, we, we still do live in a fallen world, and we still sin, but the difference is the power of sin has been broken. The authority and the hold it once had on you, it doesn't have and it doesn't need to have anymore. We now become, instead of a slave to sin, we now become a slave to righteousness. Whole desires are now different to what they once were. We've been crucified with Christ. What is true of Christ is now true of you, everyone. And I would say that God would say, just receive that even right now, that what is true of Christ is true of you this morning. We stand in his righteousness, verse 21. For our sake, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Christ righteousness, his right standing before God has now been given to us. Martin Luther, the great reformer, he calls it the great exchange, and some of you may have heard this. He speaks about on the cross what happened. Christ's righteousness and our sin was exchanged. So we received Christ's righteousness and he took on our sin. And that's what's happened. We have Christ's righteousness this morning. Amen? Amen. So the Father delights in you just like he delights in the Son. He calls you holy and blameless. And he does the same uh, to you and I. He delights in us. And it's wonderful news. It's the power and the wonder of the gospel. Yet although this is true, and it is true, guys, receive it, it is true, the fact that we have been born again, that we are in Christ and that we are new creations, we so easily forget this. We so easily forget it. I so easily forget this. And we can live what I would call a dualistic life where we're still trying really, 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 really hard to work at feeding our more spiritual self. When the actual reality is there is no longer an old self. There's no longer an old self to feed. It's all brand new. Now, yes, we still need to fight sin and combat and battle sin, yes, but at salvation our desires changed. You no longer long for the things of God, the, the things of the world rather. The deepest desires of heart are for the things of God and to become more like Christ, to pursue him, to know him, to be transformed into the image and likeness of who he is. And the fact, even this morning, if we, even the fact that we do struggle with sin at times, it's a struggle because your deepest desires have been changed. The unbeliever doesn't struggle. He doesn't care less that he's sin. He doesn't know what sin is. The Christian struggles because his desires have been changed. But I think, well, I think the problem is we, we can often still approach the cross as a sinner, where we're more reminded of what we were than who we now are. I'll say that again. We can often approach the cross and we're reminded of who we were than who we now are. 
And just, just a little illustration, just to hopefully just drive this point um, home. No fishing rod this time. The first one is this. This is a new jacket. It's not that new, it's a few years old, but you know what I'm saying. It's a new jacket. This jacket fits really well. It smells, it smells beautiful, okay? It looks good. It's pristine. It fits me. It's the one that has been tailor-made for me. Whereas this one, don't come too near me, it stinks. Really bad, really bad. It doesn't fit me. It's a little bit dirty. It's got yogurt stains on it. And how they got there. But I shouldn't really be wearing this. And often what we do in the morning is we get up and instead of putting on the pristine, the brand new jacket, the brand new suit, jacket that was made for us, that smells really well, that is clean, that fits like a glove. Instead of putting that one, we put this one on. We put the old coat on, the one that stinks, and it does stink. The one that doesn't fit, the one that's got stains on the dust and dirt. And we keep this one on all day. We go throughout the day saying, look, it fits. Can't you see it? Like, it fits. It fits. Now, we sometimes may take this coat off when we come to church. We put our new coat on. Or when we go to a prayer meeting, we put the new coat on. Or when we're trying to be holy and have a conversation and give our, our wisdom to someone, the new coat comes on. But we keep this coat on. The coat that doesn't fit, that's not ours, that is old, that should have been chucked away, we keep it on. And the whole time, God is saying to us, take it off. It doesn't fit anymore. It's not your coat. You shouldn't be wearing that one. Why are you wearing it? It stinks. It's disgusting. Put that coat on. It's beautiful. It, it smells lovely. It fits you. It will never shrink. And it is so expensive because it was bought with an almighty price. So put the new coat on, guys, and keep the new coat on. Ephesians 4, 22 to 24 says, Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. Yes, we still need to understand where we've come from, what we've done. Because in understanding that, that's where we're reminded of the grace and the love and the mercy of God. Of course we still need to do that. But we're no longer that old person anymore. You're no longer that old person. They're long gone. They've been crucified with Christ. And today God would just remind us again and say to us, if anyone is in Christ, 
He is a new creation. She is a new creation. You are a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And the wonderful thing about this is you don't need to do anything to make it happen. You don't need to do anything to make it happen. All you need to do is just realize it. Because it's already been done at the cross. It's all, all you need to do is just realize the truth that you are a new creation. And in realizing that, it brings complete uh, freedom and joy in realizing that you don't have to do anything. It's already been done. You are a new creation. Step into it and realize the truth of that. And when we live in light of our new creation, our lives look different. They do. They look really, really different. And I just want to just highlight three I guess, outworkings of the new creation. Three things that, um, I guess, should now be different because we are a new creation. The first one is this. We know who we are in Christ. Identity in God. We know who we are in Christ. We know that we've been crucified with him. And when we realise uh, this new creation, we don't have to work at gaining his favour anymore. We don't have to work harder. Uh, trying to please him, we don't have to perform him again because it's already be done. So this morning, this is a little, a little list for you. God says this about you because you're a new creation. He says that you are God's child. You've been justified. You're Christ's friend. You belong to God. You've not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. That you're born of God, and the evil one cannot touch you. That you're chosen before the creation of the world. You're holy and blameless. You're adopted as his child. You're forgiven. You have purpose. You have hope. You're a saint. You're God's workmanship. You have peace. You have access to the Father. There's more. You're a member of God's household. You're secure. You've been called. You have God's power. You're not alone. You're victorious. You're chosen and dearly loved. You're blameless. You've been set free. You are victorious this morning. Amen. So because you're a new creation, you know who you are, and all those things, and a lot more, are true of you. We are sons of doors of a loving, gracious Father who is so for us, we don't even know how much he's for us. And when we just understand, again, our identity in Christ, um, and we understand the security, when we become wrapped up in all he has for us and who we now are in him, when the world throws things at us, it doesn't shake us. Yes, it affects us, but it doesn't shake us. We don't crumble because we know who we are in him. We're a new creation and everything flows from who you are. If you know who you are, everything will come from that. So when people try to reject you or talk about you or put you down or even big you up, you know who you are in Christ. It doesn't affect you like it maybe does others. What he says of you counts. It doesn't matter what anyone else thinks, although we often think it does. Ultimately, what he says of you counts because it's true. So first thing is we know who we are in Christ. Secondly is you're not on your own. You have the Holy Spirit, the precious Holy Spirit who dwells inside of you this morning. Our old way of operating starts to change and we realize, when we realize we're new creations, the things we used to do, we don't start to do them as often as we used to. When we start allowing the Holy Spirit to change us 
And that's what we must do. We must allow him to do it. Again, we don't have to do anything. We just must allow him to do it. Because he already dwells within the us. That's what he wants to do. He wants to change us. We cannot change ourselves. Not in the long run, anyway. And I'm sure, I'm sure many of us have, have tried this. Maybe we've done something or said something before. You think, oh, man, I can't believe I've said that. And you're like, right, I am never doing that again. I'm just not doing it. I'm not doing that again, ever, ever. Two weeks later, you say the same thing. You do the same thing. Why do that? Because willpower only lasts so long. It only lasts so long. Only the Spirit can bring about change. Willpower doesn't overcome sin. The Spirit overcomes sin. 2 Corinthians 3.6 The Spirit dwells in you. Just allow Him to work in you. Again, yes, we need to combat sin. We need to fight sin. But we do it with Him. It's a partnership. We uh, collaborate with him. But ultimately, he's the one who's doing it all. We're just doing it with him. <clears throat> John 14 uh, tells us the Holy Spirit was sent to be our helper. Let him help you. Let him help you. Something I try to say every morning, Holy Spirit, help me, because I know I always want to try and do it by myself. He was sent to be a helper. Let him do his job. Let him help you. Make it sound so simple, it's not, I know, but that's what he wants. So he wants to empower you and help you to live a life that is pleasing to him and ultimately will look more like Christ. So let us walk by the Spirit, allow him to have control, rule, and authority in your life because the Holy Spirit is your helper. And finally, I guess it's a combination of these two freedom. Because we're new creation, there's freedom. I feel like doing the William Wallace from, uh, no, no one gets it, I won't do it from Braveheart, but I won't do freedom. But there is freedom. There's freedom. We're not bound by rules or regulations anymore. We live in grace, and we must learn to walk in grace. And that's something I'm, God's really speaking to me about. Learn to walk in grace, live in grace. You're not bound by rules and regulations. Yes, this stuff is really simple stuff, but how do we forget this so much? We need to come back to this. No, no, no. I'm chosen by him. He saved me. I can't do anything to earn my salvation. Live in grace. Walk in grace. Receive his grace right now. We're not under law anymore. Romans 6, 14. For sin will have no dominion over you. Since you're not under law, but under grace. You're free to enjoy his goodness and grace. You're free to enjoy his goodness and grace this morning. The must do this and I must do that. That must go. That must go. Galatians 5.1. Another brilliant verse. For freedom, Christ has set us... Free. Sorry? Free. Free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. But we forget this, don't we? And we so often live under the law, but also put other people under the law. Just, just last week... Um, was at work, and for some of you know, I work for a Christian organization. A number of the staff I work with are Christians. And um, I was chatting, well, sorry, my colleague was sort of chatting to um, one of my students, and he was saying, yeah, I think, I think I'm a Christian. I think I'm a Christian. And, and I just overheard my colleague, and he said, he said it, I guess, quite jokingly, quite playful. But he said to him, oh, you know, don't forget to read your Bible, don't forget, you know, I've heard you swear, and you've got to cut that swearing out, and 
get rid of that rap music and get yourself to church, which is all true, to be fair. This is all true. It's something that we would all uh, want to do, and God calls us to do those things. But I just came away thinking, God doesn't give us a list of things, do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, does he? I was thinking, man, you're just putting back under the law. So easy falling into doing that. But then the funny thing was, two days later, I'd done exactly the same thing. I was chatting to another learner of mine, another student. Uh, this guy, and I know this guy is a Christian. Um, not that I, don't, I don't know the other one wasn't, but I know this guy's openly said, yeah, no, I'm a Christian, and he's just he's talked through a few things with me. And he, um, he was going off to university, and he sort of, you know, he said to me, oh, yeah, I'm going to try and find a church up there and try and, um, yeah, just try and get involved and serve. And my last words were to him, I said, okay, well, you know, make sure you behave yourself, make sure, you know, make sure you keep going, make sure you behave yourself, do good, don't, don't mess around. And you know what, there's nothing wrong with that, there's nothing wrong with saying that. And he probably knew what I meant. But as soon as the words left my mouth, and it was the last words I said to him, I think, man, I just put him under the law again. Why didn't I say, pursue Jesus, stick close to Jesus, stick close to Christ, abide in him, enjoy his goodness, his glory, his grace, his forgiveness. Enjoy that at uni and don't mess around. Why didn't I say that? Because we so often put people back under the law because the idea of living in grace often seems too good to be true. But it is good and it is true. Amen? We're not under law anymore. We're under grace. And yeah, it's good to read your Bible and it's good to behave at university if anyone's going to university, okay? It is. But let's do it out of our freedom, not trying to earn freedom. As Christians, we are the freest people, but we use our freedom to become slaves of Christ. Completely different. So as new creations, our identity is in Christ and Christ alone. We are not alone. We have the Holy Spirit who dwells inside you. The same spirit which raised Christ from the dead lives inside of you right now, today. And ultimately, we are free. And we're free to enjoy him. Not a burden. We're free to enjoy him. We're free to read the Bible. We're free to pray. We're free to come to church. All those things. We're free to do those things. If you ever find yourself thinking, I've read the Bible this morning. You're putting yourself under the law again because you don't have to read your Bible. You get the pleasure and joy of reading the Bible and hearing him speak to you every morning or every evening or whenever you read it. Christ has reconciled us to God through the cross and without that reconciliation, we would not be new creations. It's God's initiative. It's his plan. It's his purpose. The creator has reconciled us to himself through Christ, and because of that, we are now brand new. The Creator has made you new, so put on the new coat, chuck that old one away, it doesn't fit anymore, it's not yours. The old has gone, behold, that's an ounce, behold, behold, the new has now come. I wonder if we can, if we can just respond to this, because um, I do feel that... Um, God does and maybe has been speaking to you. So I wonder if Matt, if Matt can just sort of come up. Um, and I think there's just a number of things I just 
just felt, even as I was preparing this, that God would want to speak to us this morning. God would, and it's really the things I've highlighted. If you know that you really struggle and battle with, I don't know who I am, or I'm, I don't know, am I in Christ, or am I, I keep trying to do things to earn his faith. If you don't know who you are in Christ, I'll say God would want to say to you this morning that you are in Christ, that you're chosen, that you're loved. Your identity is in him, not what you do, not what you do in church, what you do outside of church. Definitely not what you do in church. That's not who you are. And the next thing is freedom. If you know you're bound by sin or you're really battling and struggling, God will say this one. He would love to come and set people free because that's what he's in the business of doing, freeing people. And then finally, if you... if. I don't know if this is the case for anyone, but if anyone's not a Christian, today's the day to make a commitment to Christ. Today's the day to be reconciled back to a Heavenly Father who is so pleased with you, who loves you so much, who wants to have a relationship with you. So I wonder if we, if we can just stand and let's just, um, let's just focus our minds on Him this morning. If you're a Christian this morning, you're a new creation. You better be happy about it. You've got to rejoice in it because it's true. You don't have to do anything. Just realize it. If you're struggling to realize it, ask the Holy Spirit to help you realize it this morning. He's not, not going to do it. He wants to do it to you this morning and remind you that you are a new creation. So let's just engage with him and let's just worship him.